think the one piece of advice I would give someone just starting off with a new business is probably to define what's most important to you and then periodically revisit that. Hmm. Remind yourself of it and redefine it if you need to. Because, you know, you, people tend to start this journey relishing the autonomy and the choice and the agency that they have. And that feels amazing at, at first. But then if you start to do well, your business gains some momentum, you create more commitments for yourself, you do a good job selling, now you have the responsibility to deliver whatever it is you're selling. Hmm. Um, you can get to this point where the business is kind of running you. And it's all, you know, it's like you created it, but it might not have been with the utmost of intention um, or realizing what life would be like once you got what you wanted. <laughs> Hey everyone, this is Devin Miller here with another episode of The Inventive Journey. I'm your host, Devin Miller, the serial entrepreneur that's grown several startups into seven and eight figure businesses, as well as the founder and CEO of Miller IP Law, where he helps startups and small businesses with their patents and trademarks. If you ever need help with yours, just go to strategymeeting.com, grab some time with us to chat, and we're always here to help. Now today we've got a, another great guest on the podcast, Adrian Dolan. And uh, Adrian uh, started out his journey going to a boarding school and high school. And then after after high school, went off to uh, college and did uh, poli science, some other studies, um, and then got uh, got a, a grant out of the college uh, to do environmental or to study environmental sustainability or to do or pursue that for a couple of years. So did that, um, and then went to work for a nonprofit and uh, in their marketing department for about three years. Went back, got a master's in data science, um, and then afterwards uh, went to work for a polling business for politics, and then uh, specialized in doing a large corporate with data science and whatnot. And then about three year, three and a half years ago, decided to start his own uh, marketing firm, which is uh, what he's doing now. So with that much as the introduction, and welcome on the podcast, Adrian. Thanks a lot. Happy to be here. Awesome. Well, excited to have you on. So. So I just gave a uh, a thirty second version to a much longer journey, but why don't uh, we uh, rewind and unpack that a bit? So tell us a little bit um, about how your journey got started uh, going to uh, boarding school and high school. Oh man, uh, I mean that's really bringing it back. Uh, yeah, my mom asked me before, like two weeks before tenth grade started, "Hey, you want to go off to boarding school?" And I didn't have a good reason to say no, and so off I went. Um, it was a religious school, um, definitely an intense experience, but drove a lot of growth. It was a school that did a good job of like developing the whole person. Um, so I got to play varsity sports and do musical theater, be a lead in a big musical production and sing a choir and do band and school and everything. And also gain that social independence by being off on my own, you know, earlier than people typically do at college age. So it was all in all a good experience for me, for sure. So now you, so you did that uh, throughout high school, got a, some, you know, be out on your own a bit, growing experience, get a good education. And then uh, from there you went off to college and studied, was it poli-sci or, or, my, or yeah. pull that in a bit? Yeah, I went to Tufts University in Boston, political science and environmental studies, double major. But I took a circuitous route through college too. I spent two years at Tufts. And then a year at another college affiliated with that boarding school, same institution out in the Midwest, Principia. Spent a year there, 
a year and not a, not a year, a semester in India, and then as was the plan, back to Tufts to to finish up and graduate and get my degree there. So total of four and a half years in college, kind of kind of all over the place, but degree ultimately from Tufts. No, sounds like sounds like a good uh, good journey and uh, uh, or some good studies. So now, so now you're coming out of college and kind of where did you go from there? Or what was the the next step? First chapter was five years in sustainability. I uh, started off as an accidental entrepreneur. I had not taken a single class in college in anything business related or anything computer science, but I won this grant as I was graduating from Tufts to pursue a project of some type of environmental or social impact. And that idea, which was to help people start careers in sustainability, led to a startup um, that lasted for two years. Um, we had a network across campuses all over the country, a combination of an online platform to pair people with jobs and internships, as well as events on college campuses. Hmm. Spent two years doing that, learned a ton, made all the mistakes, got a good breadth and depth of experience, um, ultimately shut it down and kind of looked at what I had learned from starting a business and marketing was one of the major skills that I had picked up just through experience and through reading blogs and going to conferences and stuff. And so then I went in to be the marketing director at a, a small nonprofit also in sustainability now, just uh, curious and, and and diving in a bit. So you started out kind of going your own road and and or learning a lot in marketing and going that direction. You said now you decided to shut it down. Was that just hey business model wasn't working or wanted to take a break or was taking uh or wanted to try something else new or kind of walk us through a little bit of what made you decide to to go from one to the next? Yeah, it was totally some of both in terms of wanting to do something new and business model not working. In terms of the business model, we, we kind of had two things going, as I mentioned, like the online platform, which was really trying to be like the green LinkedIn, and then these events on college campuses. And of course, that first idea is more of the scalable, world-changing idea, more profitable. Um, but it was the second part that actually got some traction, the events where we were bringing together like recruiters in solar, wind, policy, conservation, whatever, with uh, like juniors and seniors in college. And we had mm -hmm. this particular type of event that was like less intimidating than an interview, but more helpful than like a job fair. And those events were doing pretty well. And we had, we had initially started those just as a way to like seed an audience for the online platform. Um, and then we were faced with a choice that many startups do like pivot or die. Mm -hmm. um and we decided we just weren't that interested in being an events company um and we definitely were burnt out on the process i'm just kind of these like accumulated mistakes from the naivete of our 23 24 year old selves trying to start a business from scratch without knowing what we were doing so my cto co-founder and i were ready to ready to move on and try some different things mm. so now you decided okay so Got some good experience. Decided, okay, combination of things makes sense to to move on and uh, or, or head in a bit of a, a different direction. So now you go work for uh, the nonprofit for a period of time, and uh, yeah. how long were you there for? And kind of how did uh, that uh, portion of the journey go? It's three years there. Um, it was actually a tiny graduate school focused on uh, delivering a master's program in ecological landscape design. Um, and they, they would teach the program through having the students work on real projects, which was this really interesting model. 
um, where they would actually do a landscape design for a residential property all the way up to like a whole food systems plan for a small metropolitan region. So I was a, actually the director of both marketing and admissions at this tiny grad school. Um, spent three years there, um, learned a lot more about marketing, started to get kind of data driven, like in a rudimentary way about tracking our progress across mm -hmm. that whole funnel from marketing to enrollment, uh, Google Sheets and and doing the best I could from um, to the, you know, the tools I had, the knowledge I had. And after three years there, knew I wanted to get more technical. And um, that's what led me to go get a master's degree of my own in applied data science. Hmm. No, makes sense. So side okay, like to get a little bit more of the technical aspect to to marry that up with a lot of the, you know, the marketing uh, skills that you'd already been working on and acquiring. So now you go off, get the master's, get that additional skill set, and you're coming out and kind of where did you decide to, to go from there? Yeah, so it was actually this really niche program that was in data science for cities. So it was kind of this overlap of like the statistics, Python programming to run the statistics, and then applying that to data sets from cities. Like uh, a common data set we used was all the trips taken uh, by people using the city bike bike share program in New York City. This is at NYU, so we were, you know, embedded in in one of the biggest cities in the world, one of the most interesting cities in the world. Um, so we were learning data science while using it to study stuff um, like transportation and energy consumption in buildings and demographics and uh, also spatial analysis and planning. And, uh, you know, how many people live within walking distance of a public park analyses like that. Um, and at first I was looking, at, you know, I had studied again political science undergrad. I also had some experience in local government on boards and commissions during my 20s um, in my hometown. And I was interested in using that degree to go work in city government. Um, but it was like kind of before its time, I think that the, the program was a little bit. And in a city like New York, you could get jobs doing urban data, data science. And I have had a couple of offers there, but I wanted to move back to Massachusetts. And New England just was not looking for urban data scientists. No municipality was, except for except for Boston a little bit. Mm. But I was trying to move back to my my hometown in Western Massachusetts. Um, so I got no reply. I was applying to like city planner job while writing a cover letter about how I could kind of bring digital transformation and data driven techniques to their urban planning department. But obviously, that's not quite what they were looking for. Mm. Um, so I got, I didn't get a single interview when I was applying, trying to get a municipal job as like a data transformation person. And so I, I gave up. And as soon as I started applying to private sector jobs, like the interviews came through and, and um, I ended up at a, uh, a startup that did political polling and machine learning to aid with micro-targeting. So they would work for political campaigns all over the country, typically like congressional races um, and help them really fine tune their targeting down to the individual person and household level. Interesting. Now sounds like it was a, 
took a little bit of uh, evolution to, to find out where it would fit, but uh, then uh, or was able to find a good match and otherwise uh, and or find some success there. So now how long did you just stay uh, doing that before you kind of uh, decided to branch out on your own? So it was basically one election cycle there, the 2018 midterm election cycle at that farm. Um, then it was one more stop um, before going out on my own. I worked at Mass Mutual, the big life insurance company where I brought together the marketing background with the data science training and was like the data lead for an internal marketing agency doing a lot of uh, kind of data engineering and crafting audiences for email automation campaigns. And then also tying together data from emails we sent out and sales that came in to try to attribute the sales to the marketing activities um, at quite a large scale. I was managing a list of 3 million customers at one point trying to make sure we were communicating with the right people about the right things hmm. um, through a large-scale, sophisticated automation program. And it was also about a year there, um, after which I decided to go off on my own. So now you decide to go off on your own. So how did you kind of figure out or, you know, was it or what you were going to do on your own? Was it, hey want to go in this direction. I want to be able to do a marketing firm. I want to be able to help people and maybe have a data driven and kind of leverage all the skills I want. Or is it more of a, Hey, I'll do this, uh, you know, elections, they, this, they go in cycles. And so I'll do this uh, for a period of time until I figure things out or kind of walk us through a little bit as that, uh, as you were uh, looking to go out on your own, kind of how do you, you got started there? Yeah. So I did not have much of a plan. Uh, definitely a willing risk taker typically throughout my life. Mm. Um, I knew that I could get some freelance work kind of general marketing consulting. I had done that before on the side. So I knew I was kind of ready to, to leave the job, to open up the space in my life to figure out what would be next. Mm. Um, but then shortly after that I actually, it's funny you mentioned political cycles because I did land a, a temporary political job. Uh, an old friend was running for state representative. And so this was the summer of 2020, very strange time to be campaigning um, with the COVID pandemic just beginning. But um, during that cycle there, I, I, I managed to campaign for state rep uh, out in Tucson, Arizona for, for an old friend. Um, we lost in the primary to a well-funded incumbent. Um, but yeah, kind of a, a quick stop there. That was nice, kind of like a landing point after after I left the corporate job to help mm -hmm. out an old friend run for office. Um, but yeah, I spent a few months on that and, and then really uh, in earnest started figuring out my own thing. And it definitely has been a, a journey starting general, starting broad, starting being kind of open to whatever I could get and progressively focusing more and more and more over the last three years um, and getting more specialized and really finding a niche as, as time has gone on. Now, as you've kind of niched that down or become more specialized, kind of what is that direction or what is that niche that you kind of because it sounds like you maybe started out a bit more general, kind of we're filling things out, figuring things out. And then you, you know, yeah. as a lot of times you do, you evolve and you figure out here's a niche or here's where, you know, it can yeah. whether it's make the money, find the clients or otherwise, uh, you know, of interest the most. So kind of where did, where did you end up uh, evolving that to? Yeah. It's kind of in stage three, stage one was whatever I could get. I was calling the service data-driven strategic growth 
whatever that means, I made it up. Um, and uh, really, it was kind of whatever I could get. Uh, phase two was fractional marketing leader. That worked a little bit better. Things got kind of more stable during that phase. I would get larger, longer term contracts with startups that needed, you know, a leadership level contribution, but weren't ready to hire that full time. I knew I wanted to have a sense of team, even though I was freelancing. So I liked, you know, a large role where I was with them for like eight or more hours a week and for, for a longer period of time. So that was the fractional marketing leader phase. And then it was one of those projects um, that inspired phase three we're in now, which is much more specialized. And that is uh, a new brand, Search to Sale is the name of the company. Um, the focus is organic search marketing strategies driven by content. And we offer a, a combination of actual software. I built software to automate a lot of what I was doing manually for clients. And it brings together data from different sources that content marketers already use and produces recommendations about new content to produce and existing content to optimize. Mm. And it stands out from other SEO software because it actually assesses the effectiveness of content in generating leads and sales, not just driving traffic. Mm. Um, and it helps you um, like pick pick topics for new content and optimize existing content, which is an overlooked part of growing traffic to a website. Google loves it when you edit existing content. So we help actually formulaically service those opportunities to pick the highest opportunity on tap keywords and the existing content that um, most needs to be refreshed and will have the highest ROI if given additional attention through an edit. So that's what our software does. And then and then we also are now a content agency where customers who subscribe to that software that produces recommendations about content may or may not also hire us to actually produce that content. So mm -hmm. we write SEO blogs. We produce long-form assets like white papers, case studies, e-books, e which are the, the gated offers on the SEO blogs, meaning um, audience members can get it for free if they give us their email. And then we'll also write emails to go out to the leads generated from those content downloads. Hmm. So we're part SaaS company, part content marketing agency now. Awesome. Well, sounds like uh, you evolved, found the niche, and then uh, we're able to or to address a, a great place in the market. So it sounds like a great place to be. So awesome. Yeah. Well, with that, now is, uh, we've kind of re or reached the, the present day of your journey. Um, great time to transition to the uh, two questions I always like to ask it, or towards the end of each episode. So we'll jump to those now. So the first question I'd like to ask is, Along your journey, what was the worst business decision you ever made? And what did you learn from it? Oh, man, what a triggering question. <laughs> but I also I love that you asked this uh, so that people can learn from each other's mistakes. And so we don't just like focus on the highlights and the, and the wins. And, you know, when we only talk about success stories, we end up with survivorship bias. Like you only hear the narrative of, of what works. And like, what about what doesn't work? What should I avoid? So yeah, if you're asking the question... I'm going to go with um, the worst business decision I made was to pay my rent on credit. <laughs> and this was back in, in that first startup right out of college. 
didn't know what I was doing, had so much optimism in what we were building that we were going to change the world, that it was going to work, blind optimism. And I was renting an apartment by myself and I got those offers from the bank where you get that check um, with like a deferred APR, 0% APR for some number of months. Um, and I used those checks to, to pay my rent, pay my personal rent for my apartment. That was also my work from home office. Um, <clears throat> super irresponsible decision for a 23, 24 year old. <laughs> Please do not do that, anyone. What it reveals the underlying fact that I hadn't, that I had no stability in my mm -hmm. life and I had no, like, no source of income. It would, it would have been much better for that business if I had like a half-time job doing whatever mm. so that I could use that income to just pay for those basic lodging and food and, and transportation necessities, which would have changed my decision-making in the business itself. It would have, you know, bought time to build that thing that doesn't make money today, but might make money in a few months. Mm. It changes this changes the strategy when, when you don't have to be desperate. Um, mm. And, uh, and of course, you know, I hurt, I hurt myself, I hurt my future self when the business did fail. And I went, I went and, you know, got a stable job after that, but had to deal with these credit card payments. No, I think that makes sense. You know, it's kind of one way or sometimes if you have to, if you give yourself too much of a cushion, or in other words, you defer the cost and you kind of push it off, then you don't have that sense of urgency, or maybe you don't have that, or, or you know, that pressure. And sometimes that's good. It gives you a room, a room to breathe, but sometimes it also can cause you to not uh, have that sense of urgency and you, you know, maybe don't make the decisions you otherwise would if you had to, or had to at the time and, and, and can set the business on a different course. So definitely yeah. a, a, an easy mistake to make, but a, a great uh, takeaway. And, you know, the, the missing piece was that the optimism wasn't based in reality. Mm. You know, if we had actually, if we had revenue, repeatable revenue that we had reason to believe could grow, that that's a little bit more reason to be optimistic about your future prospects and say, okay, if we keep doing these things, we can go our revenue and I'll be able to cover these payments later. But I'd made, I made that decision to pay my rent on credit at a point when the business wasn't yet making any revenue. We were still building a product and doing stuff for free before mm -hmm. we were revenue generating. So it was like a purely faith-based optimism. Well, there you go. And sometimes faith or faith pays off and other times you find it was uh, misplaced and uh, then you, you learn and you grow either way. So definitely a, a great uh, takeaway. Now, the second question I'd like to ask is, so now if you're talking to somebody that's just getting into a startup or a small business, what would be the one piece of advice you'd give them? I think the one piece of advice I would give someone just starting off with a new business is probably to define what's most important to you and then periodically revisit that hmm. remind yourself of it and redefine it if you need to because you know you, people tend to start this journey relishing the autonomy and the choice and the agency that they have and that feels amazing at, at first but then if you start to do well your business gains some momentum you create more commitments for yourself you do a good job selling. Now you have the responsibility to deliver whatever it is you're selling. Hmm. Um, you can get to this point where the business is kind of running you. 
And it's all, you know, it's like you created it, but it might not have been with the utmost of intention um, or realizing what life would be like once you got what you wanted. <laughs> the dog that catches the car doesn't know what to do with it. Um, no, I think that's, uh, that definitely makes sense. You know, and that's kind of one where I think that sometimes it almost creeps into where you start a business, you have a, a desire to go, hey, I want freedom, I want financial stability, or I want to be able to do what I want, or I want to work from home, or I want to have more time, whatever that is. But then as the business evolves, if you don't have that intentionality, sometimes it will, the business will evolve in a direction that maybe doesn't meet those goals. And it happens over yeah. a slower period of time such that you don't notice it until one day you find that, hey, where I'm at now versus where I wanted to be is are two different destinations. And then you have exactly. to try and readjust or, or, or reconsider. So I think that's a, definitely a great piece of advice. Yeah. Know, know why you're doing it in the first place and then remind yourself of that why as you go. So you can course correct if you're kind of accidentally heading in the wrong direction or chasing the wrong incentives, things that are somewhat rewarding, but not what's most important, not what you got into it for. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Well, now as, uh, as we uh, wrap up towards uh, the end of the podcast, if people want to reach out to you, they want to be a customer, they want to be a client, they want to be an employee, they want to be an investor, they want to be your next best friend, any or all of the above, what's the best way to reach out to you, contact you, find out more. Awesome. Well, again, the company name is Search to Sale. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn is a great way. Uh, you can reach out to me, Adrian, A-D-R-I-A-N, at search to sale spelled out, dot I-O. Um, I don't know what the lag is before this gets published, but we are uh, raising a little pre-seed round of investment right now. Um, I'm selling faster than I can deliver. Um, so hiring some help as well. Um, and uh, yeah, you can find me Twitter, LinkedIn. Awesome. Well, I definitely encourage people to reach out, support a great business. If the opportunity rises, make a good investment and otherwise uh, just make a new best friend. So with that, thank you again, Adrian, for coming on the podcast. It's been a fun. It's been a pleasure. Now, for all of you that are listeners that are out there, if you have your own journey to share and you'd like to be a guest on the podcast, we'd love to have you. So let's go to inventiveguest.com, apply to be on the show couple more things as listeners make sure to click share subscribe leave us a review helps us to reach even more startups and small businesses to help them along their journey to success and on that note if along your journey you ever need help with patents trademarks or anything else with your startup your small business just go to strategymeeting.com grab some time with us to chat and we're always here to help well thank you again adrian for coming on the podcast and wish the next leg of your journey even better than the last thanks a lot for having me Devin. this is fun <laughs>